Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, Kristen Birchenall talks with Amy Olison as we continue our series, Evolving Faith, Personal Stories of Spiritual Transformation. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hey, Eastlake, and welcome back to another session in our Evolving Faith series. I'm so excited for this week um, because you get to hear from one of my best friends and a person who's been around Eastlake the longest, Miss Amy Olison. And um, I'm so excited for you to hear from Amy because, um, well, first of all, she always has really interesting things to say. But when it comes to like a faith journey, Amy, I feel like you, um, especially when it relates to Eastlake, I feel like because you had so many volunteers, you've been around for the longest time, like you had more conversations with people than most. And also you were in charge of kids' curriculum and what are we teaching kids and had parents asking you. And so I just feel like you have a really unique perspective and a personally unique story that I'm excited for people to hear from you about. So yay for Amy. I don't know if that's pressure or if that's exciting. Maybe a little bit of both. So thank you. It's exciting. I'm glad to be here for sure. Well, and also, I'm not sure if everybody knows, but Amy and I have been friends for a really, really long time. And so I feel like we have an obligation to show pictures of when we were (laughs) teenagers (laughs) in college. I don't have them with me to show you, but I know that we have... um, that those who are watching on video should get this treat of seeing me and Amy when we were children, when we became friends, which is how long ago? 20 years? I mean, we were, I was a sophomore in college when you were a freshman and we lived in the same sorority. So from, you know, 18, 19 on. Mm -hmm. So yes. So we've you were a bridesmaid in my wedding. Like mm-hmm. we've been close for a really long time. So this is a special relationship for sure. And I'm glad that I've been able to work with you all these years. And yeah, we've grown up together, right? We have. Yeah. We really, really have. So I'm just really excited for you, like people to hear from you. And I know like the idea of getting up on stage and doing a monologue for you probably wouldn't have been very exciting. Um <laughs> <laughs> but this, a conversation, I feel like is right up your alley. So you were one of the first yeah. people I thought of. Well, thank you. Um, I'm excited. I have been on stage a few times at Eastlake, but no. I mean, that's for like announcements or baby dedications or yeah. things like that. I've always wanted to be a backup dancer at Eastlake, and I've asked for years. And that's not been an option, I guess. So so here's my stage. I'm here's glad to your here. stage. In your dining room, tis tis the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, well, you know what this 
whole series is about. And I sent you that kid's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've been asking everybody to kind of start with is just giving people, you say, because people join East Lake all of the time. So giving yeah. just a brief kind of like, here's what the street was that I kind of was handed. Here's the spiritual, religious framework that I was given and grew up in. So can yep. you do that for people at East Lake? Yes, for sure. Um, I grew up in Bellevue, right here near Seattle, and um, super loving, great home, uh, mom and dad and two younger sisters, Emily and Hillary, and they're just two years younger than me and then four years younger than me, so we were all really close. We went to church as a family, and we went to Christian church, non-denominational Christian churches, um, all growing up, but somehow... I escaped the legalist kind of side of evangelical Christianity, which I'm thankful for now. And so church was more a community for us than it was rules and doctrine, um, which worked for us. I mean, it was, um, so we prayed, we did the Christian things, um, we went to youth group. We, I, when I went to college, um, there's a great ministry at UW. And um, so I got really involved with that. And that's where I met Eric, who is my husband now. And um, I would say even my spirituality then was still more community and people and a place to belong than it really ever was, this sounds such like a wussy Christian thing to say, but I wasn't a very good Christian. I, <laughs> I didn't do all the things. I didn't, I, it was more just a place to belong. It really was. And it felt safe and comfortable. And I loved the people um, that I got to surround myself with. And it was great. I don't think it was until probably after we were married, we got married out of right out of college or a couple years out of college and then had kids right away. And we found ourselves in this place of like, we're not like any of our friends right now. They're all still single or just getting married. No one had kids. Um, and so when we were invited to Eastlake the first time, that's when I was pregnant with Caroline and just had Grant. He was an infant. Our kids are only a year apart. And, um, so we were invited to Eastlake and everyone was young and everyone had kids. And we were like, oh, this could be our place. Um, and Eastlake was a place where finally I could maybe be more honest about really where I was spiritually. And I don't know, do you know what I'm saying? Like it was, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to like go on Sundays and pretend like I did all the things the rest of the week, it felt a little bit more real, even back then. And that was like 2006. 2006 is when we first started coming. So, I mean, does that paint a picture? My street looked like, yes, my house looked like the rest of the houses um, because it was comfortable and easy and we all fit in and it was just, I don't know. Does that even? Yeah. 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 I think what my experience was Eastlake was 
that place where people mm-hmm. could come no matter what mm-hmm. um, until like a few things changed. And then you kind mm-hmm. of found out like, oh, people do have lines where they can't go past those kinds sure. of things started. I think happening sure. is what I remember in terms of East Lake history. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I feel like that's the best kind of start, you know, like the fact that you did really love it for community and for a place to belong. Mm-hmm. Those are things that we still talk about now as mm-hmm. being priorities. So I'm gl- so glad that was the way it was for you. Yeah. Yeah. My, my parents, I think, um, did a good job, like raising us to think for ourselves there was also that, like, but you will follow and do what we do. So I'm probably painting it a little bit rosier than maybe it actually was. Um, we had to go to church on Sundays. It wasn't like a do what you want to do, kids. But yeah. it wasn't a league. I didn't grow up in a legalistic um, kind of environment like like so many other East Lakers and friends of ours did. So Yeah. And staff. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad for you. I feel like there's a lot of people who will be watching, who are part of East, like who will be watching this series and they don't have any mm-hmm. sort of like, mm-hmm. and not everybody that I'm talking to has a traumatic story. A lot of it is really positive. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's good for people to see. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know you're saying you weren't like theologically like, dogmatically focused in terms mm-hmm. of your spirituality, but I know that things did change. You did go through change. And so yeah. what I've been asking everybody is what are some moments that you can think of along the way where you noticed like, oh, yeah. I think I might be seeing mm-hmm. this differently, or I think I now might feel different than the people around me, those kinds of moments. Yes. I... I think this is a hard question for me. I am a forward thinker. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my past. Eric does. And it causes, actually, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because when I'm ready to move forward, he's like, let's talk about what happened last time we did that. So it's actually a good partnership. But so this question made me think quite a bit. And that's a good thing for me because I don't spend a lot of time, um, purposefully going back. Um, I was remembering, well, I've always, well, first of all, let's say I've been on East Lake staff um, since 2008. So I, my job and my spirituality and my life kind of all has grown together while I've been on staff. Um, For those of you guys who don't know, Ryan is an amazing leader And he, this was not just the kind of job that you clock in and clock out. This was, he really invested in staff and in our spirituality um, in a way that was like, read these books and take notes and we're going to come and talk about it Mm -hmm. or listen to these um, podcasts and we're going to talk about it. Or he would bring in speakers for us and we would talk about it. And so... I have the privilege of being exposed to so much of that. So 
when I actually sit and think there were a million um, little, you know, orange splot, paint splot moments for me. One of them that was pretty early on. So like I said, kind of grew up in a Christian house where we just kind of did the things and went through the motions. So of course I believed in the Bible stories that they were literal. Um, and so I remember one staff meeting sitting in Ryan saying, well, you know, the lion, Daniel in the lion's den, like that didn't really happen. That's just a, it's a picture of something that, you know, or he also was like Jonah and the whale probably didn't really happen. <laughs> and I remember sitting there going, no. And I think I actually spoke up. I was like, no, I'm not there. That's not <laughs> where I am yet. Um, those things happened. Like I've been told my whole entire life, those things happened. And so then it caused me pause and I have to think. And I, along the way, disagreed with Ryan's thoughts often and was like, Which uh-uh. I should interrupt you and say, yeah. which we were totally allowed to do because yeah. a lot of people oh. think that we weren't allowed to do oh. that. Oh, no. And you it were was, actually, I remember you being opinionated about, about yeah. things. Yeah. And then I was also like, can we just go back to like Christian music and Amy Grant? And I was always the person and I got made fun of it for a lot, a lot. But I was like, can we just, this is hard to think about. This, these things are hard to wrap my mind around. And Aaron Sternkey is another person. Um, he is on staff at Eastlake and he is wise and quiet and doesn't speak up very often. And when he would actually speak up at staff meetings, I would listen like, oh. So he's another person that for me was like, ooh, when Aaron Sternkey talks, you should listen because it's not very <laughs> often. So he's another moment for me. Um, I would say working with volunteers, I was... Um, people were willing to share with me their stories. And I had volunteers, I've had thousands of volunteers over the past, you know, yeah. 12 years, um, hundreds, thousands, maybe in the thousands. Mm-hmm. And hearing people's stories, um, a lot came to mind, but one specifically of like, I was scared to volunteer before because I didn't want to be found out. And now I'm feeling safe enough to start volunteering because this person had a past um, that maybe most churches would disqualify them for working in kids ministry. And letting myself feel what those emotions must have felt like for him made me also go, what? Like, why would churches exclude people for certain things when there's so much love to give and they're qualified more than many other people who maybe are following the rules. But so I was lucky to hear people's stories and I would say more than anything, people's stories is what slowly got me to the place where I was questioning everything. (laughs) Yeah, even Daniel in the lion's den, which I wanted to be true <laughs> because it was just, it's easier to live literally. Like, this is true and this is true and this is true. That was easier. 
yeah, than having to think. Hey East Lake, Peter here. Thanks so much for tuning in to watch this message. I wanted to do just a quick interruption to say thank you to so many of you who are making regular contributions to Eastlake. Eastlake is a nonprofit and everything that we do is because of a community of consistent and generous people who really believe in this place and want to see it continue. So uh, if you're a part of that community, thank you for how you make this place go. If you are tuning in regularly and are part of this community, but you haven't yet um, jumped in to making a financial contribution, we would encourage you to do that and encourage you to go to eastlakecc.com to help support Eastlake as a community and continue to make these messages possible. Thanks so much for uh, letting me interrupt your message. Let's jump back in. I remember, um, a text message with you and me and I think Heather and Leah. I'm not sure who else was on it, but it was the girls on staff at the time when we were reading mm -hmm. that Spong book. Yep. That's like, I think it's called Christianity Must Change or Die. Is that what it's called? Um, John Shelby Spong. And we, yep. I remember sitting outside of a doctor's office and we were all texting like, you guys... Mm -hmm. Oh no, what does mm -hmm. this mean for what I think about things? Like that's a clear moment for me of, yes. um, and I remember too, Heather saying in yeah. the text, cause she had read further than we were at, mm -hmm. but it, that book in itself, I remember having like a shaky feeling, um, and being yeah. scared to like keep reading, which is so yeah. strange. Like that my, that my brain would be like, Ooh, stop. Mm -hmm. This is conflicting. Mm -hmm. Don't like, this is scary. Don't keep reading. And then Heather wrote something like, I feel like in the end it gave Jesus back to me. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Then I can keep reading. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I know. But I think one of the things that, um, was helpful as we kind of were going through this phase was that we were doing it together. Like we oh, were having totally. those text messages. I get so many like emails from people mm -hmm. that are like, I'm, I can't believe I found Eastlake. I'm by myself. I live mm -hmm. in like some other country and there's no one yeah. here that, you know, thinks the way that I do. And that sounds really lonely. So. Oh, for sure. I having the staff to even like, and because it was such a safe, like you said before, like we had since 2008 been pushing back on each other. This wasn't a new thing. This wasn't a new, like it wasn't just now the time where we started questioning or not, not questioning, but I guess that's not the right word, but um, being Openly. honest with each other yeah. in real life stuff. Like, so when I just trusted you guys and that I would, that my voice would be okay. And I could say things that, yeah, and a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. I also think, I don't know, somehow Eric and I have been able to do this together and evolve together. And I know there's a lot of marriages where that's not the case and it's caused a lot of friction. And um, mostly I think it comes from fear of like, what if they go too far and then this doesn't work anymore? So there's a lot of fear there. And how, what Not do you think you guys was, have done? Yeah. Like, what do you think is, what about your relationship um, made that possible, do you think? Mm. Um, a lot of talking. And a lot of shared life experiences 
that we could pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends, Kim, is gay and she's always been a part of our life and we've always loved her to death. So that for us was an easier um, speed bump to get over as far as church goes. Um, I think Eric, he grew up more in a legalistic Christian environment. And so some things have been more painful for him to let go um, or to work through. So a lot of compassion probably Mm -hmm. has been a big component. Um, And just talking and really just talking and talking and talking and talking. And And he talks a lot, you know. (laughs) Both of us have have husbands. I was trying to get ready for this phone call, Mm -hmm. which involves so much when you have little kids. And I was trying to like, shower and blow dry my hair which I don't do this is a pandemic so <laughs> blow dry my hair <laughs> makeup and he was following me around the house talking about some political mm-hmm. stuff about gun control mm-hmm. and I was like I don't have time for this right now I would love to yeah. talk about gun control a different time anyway no. side note Amy and I both have husbands who talk a lot which forces us both to because we would both like to be in our heads more um, and it forces us to actually say what we think, which mm-hmm. is hard for um, us sometimes. Yeah. So I appreciate yes. those things that you said about relationally, um, a lot of communication, a lot of compassion. I feel like mm-hmm. it can be really scary to have things be falling apart. So I, yeah, a lot of people write me and they ask, like, mm-hmm. what do I do? My family doesn't think the same as me. Yeah. And having compassion for the feelings that come along with change mm-hmm. um, is really important. It's a good reminder for me. Thank you. I don't think I could have done it in my 20s. I, I don't think I was, I'm still not mature, but I don't think I was mature enough. I don't know. It's, this, it's a brutal, deconstruction is really hard. Like it just... Yeah, there's a lot of loss, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of, it's just hard. So, yeah. Ugh. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you specifically is because more than most people that I know, I feel like you had, not just with Eric, but I feel like you had hard mm. conversations. Like when I read this book and I, like, the group like send somebody to talk to him to like, I feel like that's, I feel like you were that person. (laughs) He's like, Mm. I feel like in your life, because I'm a friend, because we're friends. I also know like you've had a lot of hard conversations. And while I don't want to rehash, like what have these conversations been about? I more want to hear, I think your experience and your wisdom in this is really profound Mm. and will be helpful for people. But like, when people were scared for you or having trouble with like where they thought you were at and had conversations with you, what were those conversations initially like for you and how have they maybe changed? Thank you. I did and still do get to have a lot of these conversations. Um, 
which really truly I am grateful for. So I have loved that volunteers have felt safe coming to me. I've loved that friends or family or past East Lakers have felt safe um, sharing concerns with me. Um, yeah, but it's, it, for me, going through um, this change in my thoughts, in my values, in my like foundation, like foundational beliefs, um, it's messy. And so to then be confronted or have to have hard conversations, um, there's just no good answers or there's no smooth it out kind of ways to deal with those conversations. And so um, I know I didn't do every conversation well, I still don't, um, but I also know that I made it through it and I am proud that like, I know how to have a hard conversation and to look confrontation kind of in the eye and be able to do it in a compassionate, hopefully, um, or patient way. And I've come out the other side and I'm okay. Like I've, I think when I was talking to Eric about this the other day, we've lost friends. The phone kind of stopped ringing. If we go back to, especially when the church um, had kind of our, we came out to Time Magazine and then to the church um, in 2015, was it? Was it 15? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is all fear again. Our friends or family would come to us and be like, uh, this is like, slow down. This is a slippery slope. All the words, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, the yeah, the phone stopped ringing um, with a lot of friends or people or um, close community in our life. Um, and at the time... Um, I was probably more bitter about it or mad about it. Um, as the years have passed, um, I think everyone just needs to be on their own journey. And there's something about letting people be on that journey that I think is important. Um, I don't remember ever trying to say like, well, now I'm the right one and you're the wrong one. And so you have to come and do what I'm doing because this is the right way. A, because everything felt so unsettled anyway. But then B, if I'm going to turn around and say, like traditional Christianity isn't the whole truth anymore, how can I say that what I'm thinking now or doing now is the whole truth? Like, what if, what if neither of them, those, what if we need to hold truth more loosely? What if we, so I think I've, if that even answers the question, I think I've just been more patient or like, yeah, some people just are going to be on a different path or a longer path or a, I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm curious too, like what, how did you approach those conversations? Like you said, patience mm. and, oh. um, like allowing people to be on the journey, mm-hmm. but like, what can you think about mm. in terms of like, literally when someone is coming at you, how do you, yeah. how did you learn to go into those and stay loving and patient? Mm. 
I don't know. I don't know if it was because I care about people a lot. I, I mean, I've given my life to serving volunteers. Like I, I care about people's stories. I, I don't know. I hurt yeah. for people. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not good at it. I still don't like confrontation. And <laughs> I was telling you, like, because we went through these hard conversations and had so many brutally honest um, talks with people, I can, you're right, I can do it now. And I know that expressing my conviction is important to me. Like if I have something that I believe in or um, am passionate about, I can stick up for myself. I know how to do the research. I know how to think things through. I know how to be on the maybe unpopular side, but what I think eventually is gonna be the right side of humanity moving forward. I, and we've done it. So I know how to kind of do that and how to like remain confident yeah. in who you are, but not have to have other people be where you are. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I you don't also need mentioned, people to be where I am. I can yeah. be. Yeah. Um, you mentioned when we saw each other, um, a few weeks ago outside, you talked about how the even like the only time we've seen each other. That makes I me know. sad. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, but you talked about how even like your evolving spirituality yeah. has also helped you have conversations about yeah. politics and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's just a way of being that allows you to have these hard conversations. Yeah. And let's go back to that slippery slope word. As you were just saying that, I was like, ooh, it is a slippery slope. Because once you start figuring out how to be true to yourself, <laughs> you can't stop. Like, yeah. I haven't been able to stop. And so with racial equality, with LGBTQ um, inclusion, with, yeah, our political environment right now, with the election we just had, like, I don't know. I've, I have some strong opinions now yeah. and I'm proud of them and I can, yeah. Well, yeah. on some things that feel like non-negotiable to you, um, mm. what, what is your stance towards that in conversations and relationships? I'm just curious. Like if someone has a different opinion from you on a, like something that you feel like is yeah, non-negotiable. Then what do I do with it? Is that what you're mm -hmm. asking? Yeah. Well, it probably depends on the relationship I have with the person. I am not going to go around telling everyone what to think or what to believe. But if I'm in a close relationship with someone, I'm, I want to have that conversation. I want to share why I believe what I believe. Or um, with my kids, I have two high schoolers, and so they're at an age where they're soaking in all of this um, news and um, they're 
forming their belief kind of structure and system. And so I want to have those kind of conversations. I, I probably seek them out more than I ever would have before. I remember talking to you outside way back in, a few years ago, talking, we were in Montevilla at a staff meeting and you said you were talking about a particularly difficult conversation you had with friends. And you said, but I just felt, I left feeling like, oh, wait, I actually know what I think. And I know why I think that way now. And I feel fine Mm-hmm. expressing that. And it felt good to hear people say this or that and be like, I just don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that I remember feeling a little bit jealous hearing you say that. <laughs> well, yeah. Talking things through maybe does help solidify thoughts mm-hmm. and beliefs. And yeah, sometimes thinking it through and talking it through do- did make the difference for me. Um. Okay, so when you consider, like, spirituality now for you, can you talk to me a little bit about, like, what does that look like for you now? Because I feel like once you have that, you know, when faith or spirituality is a part of you, I'm not sure. It just doesn't go away because you change the way you think about certain things. So how Mm -hmm. have you continued to move forward? And what do you, what does it look like now for you? In one way, I think going back to what I said at the very beginning, I was never the person who like did Bible studies all the time and um, did quiet time every day. And I never had a lot of spiritual practices that I relied upon. And I think, I hope this is freeing for some people to hear. I think I'm still the same way. I don't have a lot of spiritual practices that I rely upon. Um, There's a few things that I've started doing since I've stopped um, the few things that I did do um, before when I considered myself um, kind of more of a Bible-believing, God-fearing kind of Christian, I guess. Um, For me... I think being quiet, which has been a little bit easier since COVID, since we're all stuck at home and I don't get to fill my days with busyness, Um, but being quiet has been, is that even a spiritual like thing? I don't know, but being quiet um, has been good for me. I have started, I think before I would think that any sort of mindfulness or meditation or breathing exercises or even yoga was like weird. (laughs) And now I am like, don't think that's weird. It's actually calming and helpful for me. Breathing practices probably more than any other. Um, to, I'm an anxious person and I worry a lot. And so those things calm me down. Prayer is um, one of those kind of faith traditions or spiritual practices that has changed for us in our family. Um, I was talking to Eric last night and I said, we used to pray with our kids every night when they went to bed and they would call us in. And even like in the last few years, even when they're old teenagers, um, 
And really what that was, was a time for us to connect with them. Mostly Eric. He's the one who mostly did bedtime business with the kids. Ever since they were little, I was kind of done and checked out. And so Eric was bedtime (laughs) business guy. Um, And it was a time for them to sit and lay in bed together and talk. And then they would end their little go to bed session with a prayer. And now, and Eric would pray and it would sound like, um, thank you for our cozy beds and thank you for our, um, friends and family and blah, blah, blah. And we still do that. It, it's just changed a little bit. So it's not necessarily we're praying to something, but we're still talking through what those, the elements of prayer kind of are about being thankful and maybe some hopes or some asks. And so it's more of a conversation maybe now between Eric and Caroline or Eric and Grant or me and the kids. Um, Let me think of another thing. Uh, Going on walks has been huge for me. Um, I think before maybe you would call that like quiet time with God or journaling or writing in some sort of like daily devotional. And for me, going on walks and even listening to a podcast or giving myself that time to just think and walk and breathe in the fresh air and look around me um, feels like a spiritual practice now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Peter talked about um, Michael Dowd. Of course, he talked about Michael Dowd. Um, But he talked about... um, in one of his books, he says, we need gratitude for the past, inspiration for today, and hope for the future. Um, and that was kind of his, oh. what he has kind of put his spirituality around. And so I guess I'm wondering, like, what inspires you for today? We talked about kind of gratitude for the past already, but what inspires mm-hmm. you for today and gives you hope for the future? Like, what are those, like, core things that you are trying to pass on to your kids? And those things that, um, I think what what you said is really interesting. It's not just that you don't pray anymore. It's Mm -hmm. that the purpose, or I don't even know if it's the purpose behind it, but, like, you still do those things. You still Mm -hmm. express gratitude. You still express hope for the future, things like that. Um, I think that's a really interesting point that you made. But anyways, what what inspires you for today? What are you trying to teach your kids about, like, mm-hmm. foundation to who they are, which we used to probably say was, like, American Christianity. But if it's not that, what is it that you and Eric are trying to do for your kids? Uh, this is a big question. I think... There's some responsibility for me moving forward, but then to have to raise new humans in this world to be like loving, kind, generous people um, is huge and feels scary to me. And that's probably where a lot of my worry and anxiety comes from is like, I'm, I'm responsible for these kids. And I think before it was easy to go, no, no, no. God will take care of them and it's going to be okay. And, and when you lose some of that, like, um, I guess like belief in like deity in the sky, yeah, sort of. deity in the sky that's looking out for them every day, then I'm like, well, 
I can't look out for them every single day as they grow Mm -hmm. up and move on. So they need to be responsible, like whole people. How do you do that as a mom? I don't know. I'm, we're working through it. Uh, I have very um, strong-willed kids, um, which is great for the real world, real hard at home, especially during quarantine. Uh, They question everything. And at first that drove me crazy. And now I couldn't be more proud. I want them to question everything. I want them to like go into every issue or conversation or situation with curiosity and um, figuring things out. So I, I want, Caroline specifically is very social justice minded and her Instagram and she writes letters and calls our political offices. She goes downtown and does the marches when those were safe to do. Like she's, she's a great, great girl. I'm super proud of her. I think my biggest things moving forward, I think are just, this sounds so just cliche or stupid, but like Eastlake says, is being a beneficial presence in the world. How can I personally move this world in a more positive, more kind, more loving way? And how can I help my kids do those things? Um, And really looking at where we spend our money and where we spend our time and um, being really purposeful or as purposeful as we can with those things, I think is where we're putting our time and energy and money and hope and purpose right now is, yeah, what are we spending our time doing? Where is our especially because time is what we have right now as we're sitting at home. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, we are all four of us extroverts and our, usually our calendar is full from morning till night. We do too much. We're exhausted. We're burning the candle at both ends. All of us are tired all the time. Um, with quarantine, that means activities and sports and dinner parties and social events and auctions and all the things that we usually spend our time doing, church. Um, there's nothing on the calendar. So how have we spent um, that time while we have it, I think has been important. And I don't know. I I stress out all the time because I don't like, am I doing everything right? Am I, am I yeah, teaching my kids the right things? Am I, mm-hmm. yeah. I well, know, I think but it's the thing yeah. that keeps, that I keep thinking of, and I probably have already said this in this conversation, but um, for you guys, it seems like n- everything has changed and then not that much has changed because mm-hmm. I don't, for those of you who know Amy and Eric, they are the most, welcoming like you are you guys are the most welcoming people I know inclusive everything was always who else can come who else can be a part of it who else needs this anyone is invited anyone is welcome that's how you've been always um and you've always like remember your kids early on when you used to ask them um 
used to, you had like a mantra that you would have them say, like, we are, was it just kind and generous? What did they Our say? Our family motto ever since the kids were babies is yeah. the Olisons are kind, loving, and generous. Yeah. And, and like works. that hasn't yeah. changed. And I, I think um, some of this, sometimes like a evolution of faith can feel like catastrophic. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just maybe a motivation for doing these things has shifted or changed mm-hmm. or um, yeah. you've released certain fears that uh, that are kind of based in religion and not mm-hmm. necessarily faith. But like yeah. I look at the Olisons and you, you guys have not changed all that much. Um, even though I think both of you would say there were some radical shifts that happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, yeah. I think that's encouraging because some things are just always going to be true. Mm-hmm. Some things just are true. And mm-hmm. you can be kind, loving, and generous people, um, whether you think Daniel and the lion's den is really what happened or yeah. not, right? Yeah, there was something that Eric and I have stuck by um, going through this whole entire process. And when people would come to us and say, you're making a, a mistake, um, you're leading the ch-. the pressure of like you're leading the church in the wrong direction felt really hard. And hearing those conversations were hard. Um, and I think this was Eric's idea, but it's so true is like, keep looking at, keep calling us out because that's a good thing. That's what friends do. So keep calling us out. If you start seeing us really get away from the fruits of the spirit, then let's keep talking. But I think what you're going to see is if we are still um, kind and patient and loving and what are they? You probably know how to say them in the right <laughs> order, but um, <laughs> um Look at the fruit that Eric and I are putting out in the world. And I think that you're going to see the same fruit you saw before. I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to see this, like, we are going down and turning into these, like, horrible people because we don't have the same faith tradition anymore. So. And those I are things, it, you said yeah. those, in, you said that in conversations. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean. Eric and I have a marriage like normal marriages where we fight or say stupid things or hurt each other's feelings. So sometimes there's not a lot of fruit coming out of it. But um, I would say for the most part, you would still look at the Olison family and say, there's some fruit coming out of that house, growing out of that house. So we can be proud Yeah, it's just an interesting, um, like, I look at the Bible and like, there's still very, very interesting things to get from the Bible if you can still... You know, if you don't have to wrestle with, did Jonah actually get swallowed by a whale? Was he a real person? Mm -hmm. If you can look at it in terms of, like, what is this saying? Like, what is this saying for the bigger picture of life? Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're going to end up in similar places as Mm -hmm. other people. There are some big issues of, like, you know big boxes of like salvation, heaven and hell and all of those things that you would probably, you would mm-hmm. say you probably have different opinions now than you did before, I'm guessing. Yeah. But yeah, 
Yeah. But we're more the same than different. Is that what you're saying? Like, I think. Do do you think? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Some of our closest friends, um, we probably differ on, well, I know we differ on some of those big, um, like salvation or like, yeah. yeah. Um, and family, like my sisters and sister-in-laws and yeah, family too. But I still can be really honest and close and those people can still be really dear to us and we can still be in relationship and do life with, we have found we can still do life with people who have some differing opinions than us on those things. Um, even though it feels hard at times, um, I don't want to only have friends that think the way I do and believe what I believe and do what I do. Yeah. That's for me going backwards. I don't want to go backwards. I want to keep moving forwards and it's okay. And it's good. Um, and those friendships are super meaningful and I get a lot out of them. I think it's, yeah. I think that's one of the like purposes of East Lake moving forward is let's learn how to be surrounded by people who think differently than us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's learn how to have hard conversations. Let's learn how to really evaluate what is important and true. Let's learn how to establish what has always been true for us. And, um, but like what you just said, being around people who yeah. don't think the same as you is important because it's like a checks and balances thing to make sure, sure. that you are thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate that point of view. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. So the kind of the last question I've been asking people is like, when you look at your spirituality now, this, mm. um, this house that you have that contains like, tries to contain what is spirituality to you. Are you happy with it? Do you feel like content? Um, where are you at? Yes. Um, yes, I feel happy about where we're at. Um, even with the pain and even with the hard conversations and even with the yuckiness along the way, um, I feel freer now. I feel um, safer now. I feel um, more content, I think. Um, I, I feel like I'm a better person. I feel like I'm a kinder, more loving, more generous person with this worldview that I am falling on right now. Um, I have to think harder. (laughs) I have to question more. Um, I have to do more research. Um, I have to put myself in other people's shoes. I think before having kind of a manual and a... um, uh, is e- was easier or even like raising kids, let's say. 
it'd be easier for me to give them a book of kind of laws and rules and the way to live their life than having conversations about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think that's how I'm thinking through my life right now. It would be easier if somebody just told me what to do and how to do it and where to go and what's right and what's wrong. Um, but I like thinking for myself. I like asking other people what's worked for them and then moving forward. I, yeah. Yeah. It's working for us. And the other way didn't work for us in a, in a way anymore. It stopped working for us. The slippery slope can become a fun ride. You mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. I think Ryan has said that yeah. before. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, for... more, I'm more compassionate. I'm more, I can understand where people are coming from. Um, yeah. It's, it has, it's not fun all the time, but there's, it's definitely become a fun ride. <laughs> and I am proud of the way I've grown. I'm proud of the way my family is growing. I'm really proud of Eastlake. I love being a part of Eastlake. I love um, having been on staff for so long. I love, uh, I'm so proud of the leadership and kind of what we've created and yeah, I I think the world needs Eastlake and um, yeah, I feel I'm very passionate about that still. Well, thank you. I feel like yeah. Eastlake has been lucky to have you and Eric and your kids be a part of it for so long, just kind of like rocks along the way who people mm-hmm. could always look to. And I feel like people... I feel like people did look at you and go like, huh, she seems still very kind. She still seems very nice. Like everything about the way you live your life, I think, shows people that it's okay to evolve Mm -hmm. and change um, and let whatever is true be true. So Yeah. Yeah. There was one part in the story um, where people come to – Mr. Plum Bloom, Plum Bean, Bean, they come to his house at night and they talk to him. And I was thinking about that part of the story and how that relates to us or me. And I don't think people come to me seeking answers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people probably were coming to Mr. Whatever, Plum Bean, (laughs) looking for answers. I think people come to me because I'm a safe house to come to. And that's probably why they came to him too, so that they could share their story and figure out what their dreams looked like so that their house could reflect their dreams. And I think as I thought through the story and that part of the story, I think I am a safe house for people to share their story um, because I've made it okay to share your story and to make your house look a little different than other people's. Um, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that part of the story. I'm thankful for that part of my story. I'm thankful that um, that we get to live in a neighborhood and in a community and a place where we're a safe house. Um, and I think Eastlake is a safe house too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I know you've been that yeah. for me, so I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, I love you and I love your family and <laughs> 
you guys. Let's keep um, working together and talking through things for, you know, have a mind. What did we decide since 2003? We met? For, no, you and I met in 19. Oh, that's when I got married. Oh, yeah, 98. Okay, so we've been friends since 98. We'll keep doing it. <laughs> 22 years. Is that math yeah. right? Almost 23. A yeah. long time, Amy Olson. I love you so much. Thanks for being willing to share. I know it's uncomfortable to have to like, think about people listening but I just I want more and more people to hear from people like you so thanks for being willing to share and um, for still being a part of these things we love you thank you it's good to talk to you today this is thank you for joining us To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.